Welcome to the Central Community Church Podcast. We exist to be authentic followers of Jesus, leading others to follow Him by loving God, loving people, and serving our world. Sunday. It's been pretty fantastic so far. Uh, if you don't know who I am, uh, let me just welcome you here. Uh, my name is John, and I have the great privilege of being the, um, the pastor of student ministries and young adults here at the church. Uh, and I really get the great privilege of walking alongside students as uh, they, they learn what it means to be authentic followers of Jesus. And this morning, I'm, I'm really proud of those students who, uh, who were baptized because they declared their love for Jesus. And they told us that their, yeah, they told us their identity is found in him. And uh, as a church and as their family and as their friends, we need to be praying for these students. That's our response. Uh, what these students did is they stood up and they said to us, I'm trying to love Jesus and I'm going to need help. And our response as the church is to say, we're also trying to love Jesus, and we want to help. And so encourage you uh, to be praying for our students. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to move into a time of just digging into God's word, and we're going to spend a moment in prayer for these students and uh, for the rest of our mor- morning. So let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning, and uh, I, I just thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to gather together as the church and to worship you. Lord, we want to express our thanks for what you're doing in the lives of students here at Central. And uh, we're just uh, the great, um, we, we get the great privilege of seeing what you're doing as your hand is at work, Lord. And so we want to pray for these students that we love. We want to pray that as they declared their love for you and that their life is found in you, we pray that, God, that you would continue to do amazing things in their lives. We celebrate with them and we give you all of the praise. And as we spend time digging into your words, God, I would pray that you would soften our hearts as we spend time talking about what it means to have our identity in you, God, that you would speak to us where we're at, uh, because I know that some of us need to hear this word. And so we pray this in your great and awesome name, amen. Well, a few years ago, uh, I found myself in what I would say is, is probably, I, I could best define it as an identity crisis. Uh, at the time, I had recently been asked to, uh, to leave a church uh, for a few reasons, uh, some fi- like churches having some fi- financial issues, and so I was, I was asked to leave. And at the time, I, I became so extremely hurt and broken and confused. There was some words that had been said to me that really, really pierced my heart, uh, and I hung on to them. And for whatever reason, God thought it would be funny for... Um, for me to receive a, a, a six-month contract, which really didn't help me going like, okay, hey, what am I going to do with my life? Uh, and so I moved to uh, Vancouver Island, to Campbell River. Uh, I had no clue where I was going, what I was to do, uh, if I should even continue to be in ministry. I felt defeated, and honestly, my life became a mess. And one afternoon, I was sitting in my office, and I received a phone call from this guy named Ron Van Something, Okay. <laughs> He asked if I wanted to go for lunch. I was working at a Baptist church, so as a Mennonite, I was like, free lunch? This is awesome, right? Mennonites get a bad rep for being cheap. Those Baptists, all right? <laughs> so free lunch sounded good. So I was like, yeah, I would lo- I'd love to meet. He goes, I-, I just want to come, and I want to encourage you. 
that's what I need. So the next day I, I go for lunch with, with Ron and, and there's this guy named Pastor Gary there and, and uh, my youth pastor, uh, Mike Froze, who was a pastor here for a while. Um, they showed up and they took me for lunch. And so I did what anyone would do when someone says, hey, I want to encourage you. I just kind of poured my heart out. I shared where, where, where I was at. Uh, and because I'm a little, like, a little, you know, I don't always get the, the signs that, that are there, um, I didn't realize that they were actually trying to get me to come and work here. And so, um, and so about a week later, Ron phones, and he goes, hey, John, like, are you interested in coming and being a part of this congregation at Central? And we'd love to explore and talk with you. And, and, and my response and my confusion and, like, where I was at was, like, No. I, I don't, because I don't know what I should do with my life. Well, a week later, he, uh, he phoned me again. He goes, hey, John, um, Sherry and I would really love to come take you guys out for a meal. And I'm like, free meal? Oh, that sounds awesome. Why'd you guys come from Chilliwack and come to Campbell River? We'll go for, we'll go for dinner with you. And so they did. And, and again, they, they're sitting with me, and they're sitting with Heather, and they're like, Heather, like, you, you know, John could be in Chilliwack, and like, we, you should come. And, and I was like, no. I, I, I really don't feel like I should. And the next, um, next week, Ron phoned me again. And I'm like, man, this guy is persistent, okay? And, uh, and Ron goes, John, you're the guy that I want to come. And I remember responding in, in my brokenness. I responded, well, do you even know who I am? Right? Essentially what I was saying was, why would you want me? Like, look, at this is my past. This is what's happened. And this is where I'm at. Why would you want me? Now, if you know me well, uh, you will know that I have very, 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 very little credit to give myself in life. Because I really, I really, for a lot of my life, have struggled with this idea of who I am. Okay, middle school, here's a great example. So in middle school, I, I went from grade six into grade seven thinking that I was gonna be like the bee's knees. Like I was gonna be the guy. And so I was wearing, first I remember this. Oh, it's so good, you guys will laugh. I was wearing an Adidas hat, Adidas jacket, Adidas pants, Adidas shoes, Adidas backpack. And I walk into my middle school and I'm like, this is a new start for me. And I'm walking down the hallway all like, you know, junior high, like, and some, some grade nine kid comes, runs, grabs my tearaway pants, rips them off, and I'm standing in the hallway just in my underwear, and I'm like, I don't, what, what am I supposed to do here? So I walked for like half hour without like thinking I could take my jacket off or and like, no, for, for pants, but uh, that, that, that's how awesome my life is, all right? Um, and so I, 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 I've always kind of had this like, this kind of struggle with like, man, I'm not the coolest person. And I'm not the smartest person. And, um, and really what it comes down to is I, I, I have an identity issue. And when, uh, when, Ron, um, when Ron responded, I, he asked me, well, I, or I had said to him, well, do you know who I am? And, and he said, well, who are you? Right? He, he responded back to my discredit of myself. And so in that moment, I, I kind of went on this little tangent, like, well, I'm John, and I'm really like not smart, I'm not educated, I, I'm an interim youth pastor who doesn't know what's next, like I'm living at my in-law's house, like life's good right now, okay? And I remember quite vividly, Ron responding, he goes, John, that's not who you are. And the phone goes silent and I go, shoot, I, I, I blew it. You see, at the very core, I was like a grown man with an identity problem. 
I only knew how to define myself by what I did or the mistakes that I had or the sin that was evident in my life. I knew how to define myself by, uh, by what people thought of me. And I totally missed out on this amazing truth of who I am in light of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross for me. Okay? And you know what? This morning, I think a lot of us can relate to that. We don't know who we are in Jesus. And all we have to do is simply take a look at our lives and see that they're messy for a reason and that sin is prominent for a reason. And all of this stems from our lack of understanding of what it means to be a child of God. And so if you have a Bible with you, why don't you open it up to 1 Peter 2, verse 9 to 12, and uh, let's read God's word and let it speak to us this morning. And this is what it says. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of uh, of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I am so, so utterly thankful for these words. Because these verses for me have been a source of encouragement over the last few years as I continue and and will continue to discover who I am in Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning very quickly is look at four truths that are found in this passage. And, And what I hope to accomplish is to help us understand that our true identity doesn't stem from your sin or your accomplishments or your failures or what people think of you. But rather it comes from God's unfailing love through Jesus. And so the first thing I want us to do and and look at is simply this, that we're all in need of embracing a different identity. Peter starts by writing, but you are. And what he's doing in this moment is he's clearly stating that there is something different. There is something different between who you are and who, who you were. There's something different between you and the rest of the world. And Peter goes on and he begins and he starts to list these four truths that are really amazing for us to know. You see, previously uh, previously to this passage, Peter has been writing to the church that has scattered and he has told them, you're going to face rejection. You're going to face criticism. You're going to face people saying you're not good enough or look at your life. You're going to face this rejection that will, will control you. And what he wants to do is draw a line in the sand and help us understand who we truly are. Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for his own possession. And what's really important in a passage like this is that we have to, and what we have to understand is we have to look at the richness of the words that are being used. To be a chosen race means that from the foundation of the world, God chose you to experience salvation. You are eternally secure in his choice. And sometimes it's easy to look at our lives and look at the things that we do and look at the mistakes that we've made and and say this to God, why would you want me? Sometimes it's easy to say that. 
But folks, as we say that, this is God's response. He's not going to change his mind. He has not made a mistake. He has chosen you for a reason. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27 says this, consider the time of your calling. Not many of you were wise. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you had noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly and those despised. Okay, God didn't make a mistake in choosing you. I don't believe that, or what I believe, sorry, is that, that you are here for a reason this morning to hear this. Every single one of you. And this is what God's word says in Deuteronomy 7 verse 6. And this is an incredible verse. It says this, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord, your God, has chosen you out of all peoples on the face of the earth to be his people. That is an incredible, incredible, amazing thing. Next, Peter calls us a royal priesthood. And what he's saying is this, all who call on the name of the Lord will have equal access to to God. And his promise is this, is that in the midst of the hard stuff of life, in the midst of you walking your life, that God will be there. Next, he says this, you're a holy nation. And and it's amazing this morning as we gather together, we gather together as the church, one church. And that church is across our city. That church is across our province. That church is across our country. that 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 church is across the world. And we belong to it because we are one church in Jesus. These words, right? You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. That's who you are, period. And what I find interesting is as we look at our identity and we look at at this piece of scripture, at no point in there has there been anything mentioned about you. It's not about what you've done or what people say about you. Your identity isn't found in your job. It's not found in who you think you are. It's not found in who people think you are. It's found in Jesus. As a chosen royal nation, we have been given purpose and meaning in our lives. And for some of us, we have to discover that. And we discover that as we read God's word. These truths are some of the most valuable, life-changing truths that you'll hear. If if you're standing here or sitting here this morning going, you know what, that's resonating with me, that like I'm, I'm carrying this on my shoulder and I just don't feel like I'm good enough, underline these words. Write them down, memorize them, keep them, keep them on, the, on the tip of your tongue. Because these truths will change your life as you come to discover who you are in Jesus. Nothing will ever change the fact that you are loved by God and you have a purpose and you belong. The second thing I want us to look at this morning is that to embrace our identity, we must understand our past. Peter continues by writing, he says this, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter's making some really clear distinctions. He's saying this, that you're different and you belong. And what I want to do this morning is just very quickly look at this word mercy. Mercy is one of the most incredible qualities of God and can be best described as compassion or forgiveness for someone who doesn't deserve it. 
one of the greatest qualities of God is that he is a merciful, forgiving God. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 31, we're reminded that God will never leave us or destroy us or forget the promise that he made. Because of God's mercy, he faithfully has kept that promise and will keep that promise that we are his people and he is our God. And that he will bless the nations through his son, Jesus. He keeps his word despite our unworthiness, despite our unfaithfulness. What do we deserve? We deserve death. But because of God's grace and mercy, he gives us life. We have to understand who we were and who we are, and that helps change the identity that we have. You see, at one point in our lives, we were dead and now we're alive. We were objects of God's wrath, but we're now objects of his affection. We were destined for hell and now we sit with Jesus. That is an amazing thing as we come to discover what God's mercy is. The third thing that we do as we embrace a new identity is we have to continue to wage war against the sin of our lives. Peter continues by writing, he starts off and he calls us, he says this, he says, beloved. And what he's wanting us to do again is remember who we are in Jesus. To be beloved is, the, is possibly the deepest expression of the personality and of the closeness of God. To be beloved is to understand the love that God has for us is far deeper than the love that a mother has for a child. The way that God has shown us his love and the way that we know that we're loved is that while we were still sinners, what did Jesus do? He died for us. Okay? He saved us from death. He summoned you by name. And it's because of God's love that Peter says, I urge you to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. You see, this, this is no fluffy statement like, you should kind of watch your life a little bit. But rather, Peter's saying, stop. You're different. If you belong to Jesus, then your lives reflect that reality. Right? You and I live in a battle, okay? It's a culture which, which says, do what you want, when you want, how you want, with whoever you want, whenever you want, Right? We're in a battle which requires us to, to fight against the passions of, of the flesh, to fight against the sins that are in our hearts. You see, Peter is, is so utterly concerned about the state of our hearts because they lead us astray. He wants us to rid ourselves of all malice and deceit and envy and slander. Right? If your identity is found in Jesus, it requires, of you, uh, it requires you to strip off the old life and to be new. And what I think one of the problems that we face is we, we, we've fallen into the trap that we have to conform to the world, right? But that's not who we are. Peter says that we're foreigners and we're exiles and, and this is not our home, that we don't have to conform because we belong to a holy nation and a royal priesthood. You're God's and you're his possession, you're his treasure. And it's because of that that we say, you know what, I'm not gonna conform. I'm not gonna fall into that trap. Romans 12, verse 2 reminds us, right? It says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but, but be transformed, be different, be changed, stand out. Because in Jesus, we have been released from the bondage of sin. 
And I'll tell you first, firsthand how easy it is to fall into that trap. You see, sin does one thing in our lives. It weakens and darkens the soul of every single one of us and has done since the fall of, of man. And I want you to think for a moment, right? What does sin do in our lives? It tempts our will, it separates us from a father, it destroys relationships, it deceives our hearts, and makes us think that we're never gonna be good enough. And I don't know about you, but one of the things that my sin does is it brings on this thing called self-condemnation, right? If I know who I am in Jesus and I continue to sin, I start to reject my identity because how could I ever be good enough? How could I ever be loved by God? Right? I start to reject that identity because, because my life is a mess. So I start believing that, and I start living that way, and it, it's, this, it's this snowball that takes us out. And Peter's word to us as the church is this, is this, is fight against the battle of sin daily in your lives. Because if you don't fight, and if you don't resist it, it will win. It, it's kind of like this story. In 1975, there was this man named uh, uh, Richard D'Arcy. And um, this guy had a two-year-old lion in his home as a pet. Like, would be kind of cool, right? I hate my cat, but a lion? That'd be cool, all right? <laughs> well, this guy would let this lion just have free reign over his house. It would go anywhere it wanted, whenever it wanted. And at nighttime, he would try ushering this lion into the bathroom where it would sleep. And one night, the lion refused to go. And what do you think happened to him? Right? It wasn't good. You see, you see the sin of our lives is like that lion. It's, it's ready to take us out, right? And, and uh, at some point, it's going to turn on you, and the results are never in your favor. Right? We have to kill our sin or it kills us, right? The war against sin is like a bad game of mortal combat. It Sin dies or we die. Lastly, Peter says this. He says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. You see, a part of embracing a new identity in Jesus is allowing him to change everything about who you are from the inside out. This is the wonderful theological term called sanctification which is a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and more and more like Jesus. And what Peter is reminding us to do as believers is that, to, is that we need to be above reproach. Because one of the sad realities of being a follower of Jesus and having your identity in him is that you will always face rejection from this world. People will speak against you as evildoers. You'll be mocked and judged for what you believe. What you do, what you say, how you live your life day to day. You see, being a, a follower of Jesus and having your identity in him will always result in you being underneath a microscope, being watched, waiting for that moment when someone can point a finger and say, you're a hypocrite, right? A few years ago, I was selling a car and uh, I gave, uh, I had gotten an inspection on it, so I gave the inspection to this guy, and, um, and at, at a point in our conversation, he said, hey, what, what do you do for work? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. So he ended up buying the car, and about a month later, I got a phone call, and this man was screaming at me, 
The water pump had, uh, had gone on it, needed to be replaced. And he accused me of selling a lemon. And his comment that was really, that brought truth into what, what Peter is saying is this, is he said this, you call yourself a Christian? Right? He was so quick to point out that, oh, it's because of faith, or of your faith, and look at this, and you're a bad person. Okay? And so what Peter's saying is this, behave in such a way that regardless of what people say about you, and your actions that you can proudly hold your head high because you know that your life is honorable. All right, and as we do that, one of the amazing things that God does is he uses your life to be a witness to the world. A witness is someone who gives account of who God is and what he's done and how he's changed our lives. Later in 1 Peter, he says, have a good conscience so that when you're slandered, because it's gonna happen, so that when you're slandered, your good behavior in Christ will put them to shame because there's nothing that can be held against you. The encouragement found in Matthew 5, verse 16 is that, that we are to let your light shine before others, that they will see your good deeds and that, uh, that as a result, that they will glorify our, our Father in heaven. Right? As we live out this thing called faith in Jesus, we reflect him to this world. And God's desire is that he's going to use that to draw people to him. We reflect him when we hate sin and we love holiness, when we stand up what, to what's true. We reflect him when we love God and others well. We reflect him when we fight oppression and injustice. We reflect him when we forgive others who have sinned against us. We reflect him in all that we do. And so this morning, as we've met together, we have literally only scratched the surface of what an identity in Jesus looks like. And it requires us to do one of two things. The first is that if your identity this morning is found in anything other than Jesus, it's a false identity. And it's a lie. And it's a trap. And it will consume you. And so Peter is, is saying this, abandon it. Abandon that identity. Because in that identity, this is what will happen. You will never be good enough. In that identity, you will never be perfect enough. In that identity, you're never gonna be pretty enough. In that identity, you will always be worried about what someone says or what they think of you. And it will control you and you will become a slave to that identity. The second option is that we embrace the reality of who we are. That we have to let what God says about you as a chosen, holy, royal priesthood to define everything about who you are. In this passage this morning, God is shouting at you and he's saying this, you're my own. You're beloved, you're chosen, you're a treasure. You've received mercy. You're free. And as a result, that begins to change everything about who you are and how you live your life and how you impact this world for his glory. You see, this morning, our identity doesn't stem from our sin. It doesn't, it's not our accomplishments or our failures that define us, but rather it comes simply through God's unfailing love through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. And so this morning, as we respond to that, we're gonna invite the worship team to come up and lead us in, in one last song. But if, if this morning, if you need prayer,
If you're, if you're stuck and you're saying, you know what, I, I don't know who I am, go to someone with a lanyard and pray with them. Ask God this morning to reveal in your deepest of heart who you are. And as you do that, my hope and my prayer is that God will transform you and will, will help you understand how precious you are because he's lo- he, he loves you. So with that, let's, uh, let's just pray and then respond in worship. Jesus, this morning we gather together as people who... who need to be found in you. God, this morning we have, we have only scratched the surface of something so deep that my hope and my prayer is, is that we would leave this place asking the question, who are we? And in light of how we respond about who we think we are, God, that we would realize that that is just a lie. That in you, that we are chosen and precious in your sight. And so, God, we we humbly come before you and we thank you for what you've done on the cross for us. We thank you that that weight of identity is lifted off and it's found in you. And so this morning, Lord, I pray for those who sit here who resonate with me and resonate with your word. And God, that they would step out and, and step up and find someone to pray with and say, listen, I need to know who I am in Jesus. God, thank you for transforming and changing lives for for students and what you're doing there. God, we give you the praise and we ask that you continue to work mightily in this place and in our lives. We pray this in God's great and awesome name, amen.